0: Hey Burner Lovers, my name is Mackenzie. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back.
1: All right, so I think I'm going first this time. Yes. And I have a case that is short, but good. Has some twists in it and just a lot of unexplained things in it. So I'm really excited to tell you about it. This comes to us from... Mount Vernon Ohio so I'm going to start telling you about this family this family has um it's a mom and two kids she is separated or divorced completely from the kid's dad and her name is Tina Herman she has a house where her and the two kids live she has a 13 year old daughter Sarah Maynard and an 11 year old son Cody Maynard and so Tina, Cody, and Sarah, they lived in this house. She did have a long-term boyfriend after she separated from her kid's father. Her, his name was Greg. And even though they'd been dating for a long time and he was a living in boyfriend, they'd also been separating at the time when all this happened. So he wasn't in the, picture, in the picture. Okay, so on the morning of November 10, 2010, Tina was supposed to go to work and she didn't show up to her shift at Dairy Queen that day. And then on the morning of November 11th, Tina again didn't show up to her shift. And eventually her manager showed up to the house because she was so worried. It was completely unlike her to not show up or at least pick up a phone call to say, hey, I didn't realize I have a shift or whatever. I'm coming in. So because the manager at Dairy Queen couldn't get a hold of her, she decided to go over to the house and went around the house and saw that there was a screen door that was easily accessible so she got into the house she started yelling for her asking for tina to respond and she couldn't find tina but what she did find was straight out of a horror movie the bathtub was filled with blood there was blood everywhere in the bathroom and everywhere around the house so at that point she called the police to respond to the scene at that point tina both of her kids, Sarah Maynard, the 13-year-old, and Cody Maynard, the 11-year-old, were all missing along with the neighbor, Stephanie Spring, that supposed was supposed to be at Tina's house. The police immediately put out, they take this case and they open like missing persons investigation and they have everyone looking out for Tina's truck and looking for all four of these people. They don't get too many leads So they finally get a break about three or four days later when they find Tina's truck abandoned in a parking lot of the Keaton College campus that's about seven miles from Tina's home. There's nothing missing or nothing that shouts murder or anything emergent in the truck. So they're checking out the scene because it's on a college campus. And obviously, this is not like a runaway situation now for the whole family, they shut down the campus, they put it on lockdown and the police, they're putting, you know, checking in the vehicle into evidence and get, doing all this stuff. And they see that nearby there's a person sitting in a Toyota Yaris nearby Tina's truck. So they go knock on his window and say, Hey, you know, what are you doing here? We have this college on lockdown right now. Did you see this vehicle come into the parking lot, etc., etc.?" Come to find out that person's name is Matthew Hoffman. And he gets out and he tells the cops that, no, he's just sitting in the parking lot waiting for his girlfriend to finish work so they can go home and or so they can go on a date. And then so they ask her what Sarah's last name. He goes, oh, well, I don't know that because we just started dating. And then they do put that into the report that they talked to this person, but they don't think much of it because they're like, well, it has nothing to do with this truck. He's in this whole complete different vehicle. So they put in a report, luckily, And they don't they and they go about their day. So they go into the house. Now they have four missing people. They have what obviously looks like a crime scene because there's blood everywhere in the house. And they go into the garage of Tina's house and they find bags, Walmart bags of trash bags and a couple tarps. And luckily in one of the bags that had the tarps and and trash bags, they find a receipt. So then they go to the local Walmart with the receipt in hand and they ask the Walmart people to pull the surveillance video from the timestamp on the receipt. And luckily, very luckily, this Walmart... Had the cameras working, recording. <laughs> it's so funny to me
0: how often that that doesn't happen. I remember a place that I used to work it was not Walmart, but a place I used to work when I was growing up. It, the cameras were a facade; they're right. just there to make people think they're being. No, found.
1: yeah. I mean, I remember one of my first jobs was CBS, and I remember that we were trained to fake say over the the loudspeaker, like, "Please check security cameras on section, you know, section C or whatever." We had no cameras, oh or there God. were some there, and they, they're just not working. So if we thought someone was stealing or doing anything in one of the aisles, we would just go on the loudspeaker and try like, scare them into it. But yeah, you're right. Cameras yeah. are hit or miss. <laughs> so these ones were a hit. <laughs> yes, these ones were a hit. And not and, and luckily, it wasn't like, oh, this grainy camera, like, you can't tell who it is. It's very clear picture, especially for 2010. So... Walmart definitely had invested into some security systems at this yeah. time, which is great. So not only that they have surveillance footage of the person checking out at the timestamp with the receipt, they had, you know, with that information then then retrieved the camera footage of that person walking around the Walmart itself doing the shopping. And then on top of that, which is this is the cincher, they had footage of outside of the Walmart into the parking lot. And the footage was so good that they were able to see the person going into the car and what kind of car it was.
0: Oh, they had the high quality camera. Yeah,
1: they did. Like the zoom in, enhance, zoom in, (laughs) enhance. (laughs) So because they were able to get like this was this was a huge break for the police because obviously they didn't have any leads of what was happening so far. They had checked with Greg, the long term boyfriend. Um, he has he had he was not home like we said. He was um, they were in the middle of a separation um, as it was, and the day of November tenth, he had already planned to go on a fishing trip with somebody. So he was going to go to work that day. It was going to be like a full day's of work, and then after that, he was going to go spend the night at a friend's house so they can leave early the next morning. So he had a solid alibi for the entire time where they knew that this had happened, and so they completely ruled him out. The father of the children, same thing. He's out of state, has a complete solid alibi. There were some tips from some of the fa- the kids' father's neighbors that, I mean, they're concerned citizens, but they called in some tips like, oh, we saw him digging in the backyard. Um, come to find out, one of his rabbits had died. So oh, okay. he had so buried okay. his rabbit. It was a legit digging reason. <laughs> so he wasn't digging for a body. And so after they ruled out, you know, the father and the boyfriend, um, this was their biggest break because they had absolutely no leads. And with the information of knowing that it's now a Toyota Yaris that was at the Walmart that bought this tarp and garbage bags that ended up at Tina's house, they did a search in their DMV search for any Toyota Yaris's in the area. There wasn't too many, I think about 200. So it could have been like go one by one type of situation. I'm kind of
0: surprised they didn't get the plates. I,
1: yeah, it wasn't clear enough for the plates. We couldn't have everything on the video. Just but
0: cr- like even one letter,
1: <laughs> <laughs> one number. <laughs> but luckily, because, and in this case, it just sounds like the cops luckily did everything right. Yeah. So... Because the person, the cop that was at the scene when they recovered the vehicle for Tina was so diligent that he wrote down who he talked to, what that person was wearing, which was a camouflaged shirt, and also the type of vehicle that he was driving, a Toyota Yaris. Mm-hmm. Now, they had reason to believe that it was indeed Matthew Hoffman, the person who was Apparently just sitting by the car at the same time, but apparently was now involved because they have the, the Walmart surveillance video. So they they get issued a warrant right away. The D.A. is like, yep, absolutely. Go knock down his door. And this happens six days after they realize that the people are missing and they knock on they knock down his door. He's in the couch. He he's woken up by the cops coming in. Uh, I'm sure a SWAT team. And he's asking, well, what's going on? And the cop was <laughs> apparently the cop said, well, you tell me, buddy. And after that point and, and those quotes are usually repeated from every time that the story is told, because those were the last things that he said before he went quiet for a full like three days. Mm-hmm. He didn't say anything. He was taken into an interrogation room and he, he wasn't saying anything. When they broke into his house or when they, you know, were executing the warrant. <laughs> when they broke into well, his house. <laughs> I mean, yes, they did break into the house with permission though. <laughs> Not from him. The legal break. With permission, yeah. <laughs> they they found what was a weird situation. And you've probably heard this before. And tell me if this rings any bells. But when they walk in, one of the first things that they notice is that he had a pile of leaves in his house. I
0: know this story. Yeah. Oh my
1: God. I know
0: this yeah. story. It's all, I it's literally, all back literally to me. just <laughs> sent this to Jesse and Amore, my friends, um, because I was like, getting, getting, you know, turned on by nature.
1: Yeah. What? This
0: is weird. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah. So they walk into the house, and the first thing that they step into is this mound of leaves. And not, and I'm not saying like, oh, you left your door open. There's just a couple leaves that flew in because of the wind. There was literally a mound of leaves to where the officers that were walking into the house were concerned that there could potentially be someone hidden in the leaves. It was so high. Yeah. So that was definitely a security concern for them. After they realized there was nothing in there but actually just a pile of leaves, they continued searching through the house. And what they found was already odd but it got even worse so as they walked into one of the bathrooms um and there's pictures of this so i'll I'll, we'll give you visuals of all this but there was a bathroom that was covered from wall to wall in trash bags filled with leaves and one of his excuses
0: it's so
1: (laughs) weird he said you know they, he was asked for about it and i guess he said it was he said it was for like insulation um, leaves or are not an something insulator. like that um, well this many leaves might be maybe <laughs> maybe you just have so you many you're don't... suffocating in them but yeah you're not right excessive. he's like so if you've seen scrooge mcduck's vault of coins imagine that but in leaves <laughs> so, It literally
0: covers every surface yes. area of the floor
1: so as the as the you know, cops started, you know, looking through the house more and more, um, what they found in his freezer was weird. Luckily, it was in human body parts. But they found two squirrels, obviously dead. And everyone says this, and red popsicles. So all that was in his freezer was two dead squirrels and red popsicles. It's so gross. So weird. So as they continued, they saw that there was a blockage to one of the doors that led down to the basement. They removed the the object and they went down to the basement. And what they found was a surprising, but also gave them a glimmer of hope. They found Sarah. So Sarah was bound. She was tied at her knees and, or sorry, at her ankles and her feet. Um, At one point she says that she was gagged. She was alive. She was really disoriented. She again. She's thirteen years old. But as the cops come in, one of the first things she said was, "I need to. I need to hurry up. I'm gonna be late for school." She was so disoriented that that was the first thing that 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 came out of her mouth. Yeah. They were like, "Oh,
0: sweetie, you're not going to school today." Oh
1: no, not today. So where she was in the basement, what he had done is that he had over the period of four days that he had her kidnapped. He had laid down a bed of leaves with some blankets on top of it to make it comfortable for her. This is what he said he had done for her to make her comfortable. Um, Unfortunately, he did sexually abuse her while she was down there um, on top of torture, you know, not feeding her enough or just junk food. She said that at one point he fed her a bowl of cereal with curdled milk but she tried to swallow down some bites just to appease him and to, like, not make him mad. Um, So, poor girl, just terrible fucking time down there. Um, So, they found Sarah, and they have him in the interrogation room asking him, hey, where's Tina, Cody, and the neighbor, Stephanie? Where are the rest of the three people? Because we thought there was four missing total. And come to find out, this is one of, I guess... Two pieces put together, his story and what the officers say happened. So growing up, he had this weird fascination with trees. He n- people that grew up with him said that he would always be climbing trees, that he would often just sit in trees and watch people. He also went into the woods once and made a treehouse, which is kind of normal kid stuff. Um, but and he never collected leaves or anything as he, when he was a kid. He did get in trouble with the law a little bit when he he was in high school. Him and some friends got in trouble for going to the roof of the school, but that didn't go anywhere. That was just like a kids being kids kind of thing. When he got a little bit older, he moved to Colorado to Steamboat Springs. Um, He was out there by himself and he started doing some apprentice work as a plumber. And when the job was small enough, his manager would send him out on his own. One of the jobs that he had was working or fixing the dishwasher in one of the condos that was empty and not empty as in like ready to sell kind of empty, like empty. the owners weren't there for an extended amount of time. So it was furnished. It was a condo that someone could live in. Um, he was down on his luck and he was alone in Colorado, so and he's a weird dude. Um, he decided to just make himself at home, and because he was trying to make ends meet, he, over time, started stealing a couple things here and there to try to sell and make make ends meet. Um, once he realized he'd probably stolen too much and it was noticeable, he decided to get gas cans and douse the place on fire. I just feel like that's not logical. no and he he's lit like a don't want to
0: go down for robbery so i'm going to go down for arson that's
1: exactly what i was thinking that he was covering up this not simple crime but this lesser crime for a with a one. much bigger one it's kind of like
0: the guys that i mean yeah big leap, but it's kind of like the guys that like they don't want to go away for sexual assault or rape yeah. or something like that. So they kill them. So they murder. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like uh <laughs> right. One of these carries the death penalty, sir.
1: <laughs> Go to South Carolina. They'll meet you with the firing squad there. Oh my gosh. Um that's another topic. Yeah. <laughs> but so you're right. Yeah, he's covering these lesser crimes with like these huge felony crimes. Like, okay, you're you're an idiot. But anyway, so that was two million dollars worth of damage um because the fire caused the whole condominium about 16 people they had to evacuate um other people were in there in their condos when the fire started happening luckily no one was hurt physically but still, $2 million worth of damage is a good chunk of change. Yeah. At first, they didn't know who had done it because this place was supposed to be empty. They contacted the condo owners and they said, well, do you know anyone that could have been in your house lately? And they said, well, we had some plumbing work done. And so they contacted the plumbing company. They got down to him. They got his information. Matthew Hoffman was in there. And also the plumbing company that had been employing him said well he's also hasn't shown up to work in the last three weeks so those last three weeks is when he was staying in that condo he confessed to it and he did get he was given some time so he was sentenced to eight years Mm -hmm. but because of good behavior he was released in six so this was when he was 18 years old so he was released by the time he was 24 everyone that was in prison with him during those six years, apparently says that he was just like normal, cool, maybe a little weird, but he was nice, like nothing that seemed too out of place. But after he got out of prison, he was trying to get his life back together. So he went from Colorado, he went back home to Ohio. So this is how he went back home to Ohio. And within two years, he was able to buy his own place, the same place that we're at in 2010. And he did have a living in girlfriend for some time and so this case happened in November of 2010 so a couple of months before that his girlfriend had moved out and when she came back to the house to get her stuff this is when we get a little insight to how he's escalating and how he's willing to hurt someone he said she said that when she came back home to get her stuff there was an altercation and it, escalating, it escalated to him choking her because he didn't want her to, like, leave and, like, get her stuff and leave the house. Yeah. So, on the morning of November 10th, we know that he was an odd duck. And he was, there was a wooded area in front of Tina's house where apparently he had spent the night in what we think is casing the house. He says he was just sleeping there and that he wanted to break into this house to do, like, small-time burglary to just thief stuff. Thief stuff. Thief stuff. (laughs)
0: That's a verb, apparently, now.
1: He said that he had no intention of hurting anyone. Mind you, he was carrying a knife with him, a hunting knife. So that's, you know, to try and explain it, to give you a visual, it's smooth on one side and serrated on the other. So it's a hunting knife. That's meant to do some damn damage, Um, which he had ordered a week before this happened. Hmm. He had also been carrying with him some duct tape and little bits of rope that he had also bought before this had happened. Yeah. So this is weird because... Sounds
0: like camping equipment.
1: Right. I mean, I I'll take neck tape with me camping, because you never know.
0: <laughs> I mean, but to sleep in, like, the winter no, area no. of a
1: backyard. <laughs> no. And, you know, and people in his youth say that he would, like, go out and camp, like, two months at a time. So he was prepared to do this kind of stuff. And that would make sense. That would make sense. But
0: but you're not out there camping two months no, no, at a time. <laughs> you're
1: in suburban area and yeah. just, like, a little patch of land that has some trees. Like, you're not out in national forests. Yeah. You're not. So on that morning of November 10th, Greg, who was still living with Tina, but we know that they were in the middle of separation, left the house. And that's when Matthew went into the house after Tina and the kids had left for school. House was empty. He was he said that he was taking a sweet time, that he was looking around the house for small things to steal, and that he just wasn't finding anything, which is weird because there was laptops, there were iPads, there was things to be stolen in the house that would very easily be carried out. But those weren't touched. And he said that when he was walking around the house, he suddenly heard the front door open. And that's what we know is Tina walking into the house, bringing in her groceries that morning. And then he went into he went and hid in her back bedroom, in her bedroom and it wasn't until she walked into the bedroom that he tried, that he attacked her. He asked her to lay down in the bed. She complied and when she was laying down in the bed he was trying to obviously intimidate her with this knife. She was scared so he eventually said he hit her upside the head a couple of times but that wasn't knocking her out. He was started freaking out and at that point that's when he stabbed her twice in the back. God. So when that as. That had just happened. A couple minutes later, her friend Stephanie walks in. I'm sure they just had a date to hang out or whatever that day. Stephanie just makes herself at home and walks on in. But then he also attacks her because she walks all the way to the bedroom as well looking for her friend. He said that there was a struggle, um, but ultimately what he's saying killed Stephanie was a stab to the chest. And... As he's in the house trying to figure out what to do, he said that he's just in his thoughts trying to figure out what to do. What did he do now? First of all, you should have just fucking left when you heard the door open. You, again, you're making a lesser thing worse. Right. And what he did was um, he couldn't think because the family dog was barking incessantly. So he also killed the family no. dog. Oh, so now he's killed two people and a dog. And then, so it's been a couple hours now. He he said that in, in his written confession, he said that he took them into the bathtub to process them. He dismembered them in the oh, bathtub. Oh, no. And as he was doing that, now the kids get home from school. Oh, my God. So Cody apparently, when... He saw the person come out when he saw Matthew come out. He tried running away towards the door. He was caught and he was stabbed in the back of the neck. Little 11 year old Cody. Sarah decided to run towards the bedroom. And then when he met up with her there in her bedroom, he tied her up and then he, um, and then so tied her up and gagged her there for a while. And then while she was sitting there, all she could hear was like, was like grunting and noises coming from the bathroom, which is when he was still finishing up the dismembering in the bathroom. How do you recover from that? And at that point, um, he puts her into Stephanie's Jeep, who's in the garage, puts a blanket over her. So Stephanie's the neighborhood come visit. And then, he and then he blindfolds her, and all she hears is garbage bag after garbage bag being put into the car, and then they drive out to the forest, and she said what felt like hours, and then he's also playing games with her. He's telling her that there's also another person there helping him, so that while he's parked at the na- at the forest, that. Or taking or taking the bags out of the car now that there's someone still sitting there with her. So she can't even like try to run away or something. And so she said a couple hours go by and then eventually they ended up they ended up at what she knows now is his house. Um, and that's where she was found while he was being interrogated and all this was happening. He wouldn't say what happened to the three people. He he just was being completely quiet. He um, didn't have an attorney representing him or anything. But eventually on day four, he had come up with what he thought was a genius plan. He said he wanted to make a deal with the police. He said, I'll tell you where the three people are. I will write down their locations. But here's the deal. I want you to let me fake run out of the police station and you have to shoot me. He wanted to die like suicide by police.
0: They were like, no, that's not They a were
1: function. like, no, we're not going to do that. Not even pretend. Yeah. So, but that's what he wanted to do. He said that he didn't want to live a life where he would be in prison under the influence of being forced to take his his medicine. Oh.
0: Right. Poor guy. So I'd be like, just for that, no death penalty for you, sir. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so for that reason, they made that deal with him. No death penalty. Death penalty's off the table, but you can tell us where they're, are, where they're at. So he did. So In order
0: to get the death penalty? Because didn't he want to die?
1: Yes. So they took the death penalty off the table as his plea deal.
0: So how would that be a plea deal, though, if he wanted to die? I know,
1: but he took it. (laughs) I'm confused. (laughs) Well, at that point, after that um, whole, like, let's make a deal type of thing, um, and the cop said no, that's when he got an attorney, and that's when the plea deal was accepted by the attorney. Like, we're taking death off the table, but we need to find these people. And here's the thing. Without his confession, without his map of where to find them— it would have been really fucking hard to find where these people were at. Mm-hmm. First of all, National Forest. And he was... He had been a tree trimmer for a little bit, and he also lost the job because he was incompetent, and the and the employer said that he was weird, and he hadn't disclosed that he was uh, a felon. Uh, which is, I understand, because you're going to people's houses most of the time, I'm sure, for tree trimming. But the... The bodies were found inside a 60-foot hollow tree. He had gone to the forest. He had taken some rope from Tina's house. And he maneuvered and he put together this this pulley system. So he was pulling the bags, I'm sure over a branch, into the inside of the hollow part of the tree. So he put bag upon bag with the remains of Tina, Stephanie, and Cody and the dog all in that hollow tree. So had it not been for his confession, they probably would never have found them. No, Who thinks to look inside trees? Right. Inside a tree. It's so weird. And so there's never an explanation for his fascination on trees. And I think it might just be one of those situations like what does that show my weird obsession or there
0: is actually a term for it it's um like
1: inanimate inanimate objects or whatever no it's
0: specific to like trees and leaves oh really um i literally just yeah den dendrophilia it's defined as love or sexual attraction to leaves and trees
1: a sexual attraction yeah it's weird
0: and this guy is said to have had it yeah, I literally just yeah yeah sent yeah. the story over to them like a week ago. Yeah, he's classified as a dendrophiliac.
1: That's just that's just very odd. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm there's a lot of people with what are to me weird sexual desires and and um, obsessions. Like I can remember that show that that guy was in love with his car and was like. Mm-hmm. Making love to the muffler of the car and shit. I'm just like, oh, that's that's awful.
0: Yeah, this guy gets off on trees and leaves. So yeah. Freaking weirdo.
1: So after after all this, after his confession, um, it was pretty, you know, open and shut at that point. He um he was given life in prison without the possibility of parole. Um, For all three people and including the kidnapping and rape of Sarah. Um, Sarah has since written a book and she was given in custody to her father. Um, So she's luckily been a very strong young girl and she has made some appearances. And like I said, she wrote the book uh, with some help, but... Nonetheless, she's not letting this like clam her up and she's talking about it. She said that her reason for survival was she's crediting that to just doing what he said and not trying to fight back at the point. Mm-hmm. She said that at some point um, she was just thinking that he was adding leaves to the room that she was in for this quote unquote bed because she thought he was going to light her on fire. I don't think he would have. So let me circle back to the car being found and why he was at the where the the truck was found. So apparently the truck was found with two gas cans in Tina's truck. And apparently that was gas cans that he had accidentally left in that car because he actually did plan on going back to Tina's house, dousing it with gasoline and setting it all on fire.
0: I don't think he would have lit his leaves on fire.
1: Well, do you think that's why he had his whole house full of leaves, though, too? No,
0: he was into it. Like, Uh, that was, like, his sexual fetish, uh, so I don't think he would have lit it on fire. I think he was putting more leaves in the room with her because it turned him on.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's so weird. Yeah. But, so, he, again, planned on covering what could have been... I say this, you know, but... A lesser, just burglary charge, right, or a break-in charge, with like a B&E murder, with murder and kidnapping and rape, and right, and then on top of that, he planned on burning it down too and having another. So this guy obviously had some issues um, that he had to deal with. So. We need to
0: talk about how you manage your problems,
1: sir. Oh my gosh, seriously, we don't escalate that much. But yeah, that's the case of the Harmon, sorry Herman Maynard family. Um, it's known as the Matthew Hoffman case or the Girl in the Leaves case because she was found on a bed of leaves, and that's yeah. the title of her book. Um, so it's it's odd. Usually, you don't see this fascination, like you, whatever you called it, with the trees yeah. translate into a human murder type thing, but. Um, yeah. And he, he the whole time in his defense said that it was just a burglary gone wrong. Um, but the DA, you know, I think they made a good case. as like this is probably premeditated. He had bought this stuff beforehand. He and also, was,
0: even if it went wrong, like at any point, you could have made a different decision, sir.
1: Yeah. Any point. At a couple of points. You yeah. Just walked, either broke out where you broke in. Yeah. But you did. what out. you did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah that's the case okay cool thanks
0: Segway. (laughs) um new patreons this week and i know i've promised you guys that we will be covering that uh that woman that everybody's so interested in who uh on a drug-fueled bender dismembered her boyfriend yeah our plan is still to cover that um and i said it was going to be our march episode it's probably going to be the first week of april Timeline's got a little, a little mixed up this week, so it'll be probably the first week of April. It is coming, um, but if you currently are signed up, you will get access for it. And our two new Patreon members.
1: Welcome to the team.
0: It's going to be Nicole with the Murder Lovers.
1: Hi, Nicole.
0: Hey, Nicole. And Jessica, also with the Murder Lovers. Hey, Jessica. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. So you you will get access to that episode as well as anything else that is currently available on there. Um, But that case is coming. Yes.
1: I have purposely, like, moved past it when I see it come out because I was like, I don't want to know more about it. I want to be surprised. I know, obviously, the headlines worth of it, but I'm like, no, no, I'm sure there's more to be said. Yes. And there's stuff
0: currently happening with it, so I don't want to pull the trigger too fast. But um, I think everybody's here for, like, what actually happened and transpired during the event itself. Yeah. So we will be doing that one.
1: The only thing I will say about it is that I thought it was really interesting, just like I think that California guy, that they put up her best mugshot, but that was not the mugshot that was current not her, to the, current. the situation. Yeah,
0: that's why I put up both. <laughs> so if you go to our Instagram feed, you'll recognize her mugshot with her winged yeah. eyeliner and everything like that. But then... Go to the next photo and you'll see her current mugshot. Right, shot. right, right, right. It's like the faces of meth.
1: Yes, they are. It's like, like a remember poster when child. they did that? The yeah, faces yeah. of meth? That's oh, what yeah. it's
0: supposed to be. Like, show the bad one so show you can see one. the bad one. But I knew if I put that one up, nobody would know who I was talking about because it doesn't right. even look no, like Right, No, it same does person.
1: not look like her. All right, cool. Alright, cool. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that hurt my ear. Ah. All right, we'll see you next week. Thank you for stopping by. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye.